swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads where bandits are. Catacombs and giant doors protect the chests and stores and legendary items with the dragon bones and iron It's ore. a grand theft of Elder Scrolls, Simon's quest with Toe and Earl, rocket shoes to every crew, Easter eggs and gaming news. The POTUS need some bad dudes to crash a crew like Bandicoot. All shit and gaming and glitch control issues. Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is a dub. You can find us at control issues.com. That dash is a hyphen. Get it right. You can also go to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for you. If you want pleasure, make sure you hop on over to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for control issues, download it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it, and Stop by Twitter, my control issues. That's the handle. AMC. How you living? Living well, A Dub. It's been a good week. It's been um not too eventful, but things pop up just because of you know the way society is set up. So Monday, <laughs> you have Valentine's Day. And when you have two kids, one of them being a newborn, you ain't doing shit for Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, we um, we got some. I forgot what we had for dinner, but it was it was pretty good. <laughs> but we had dinner, and then um, I, I bought it. I bought us a dessert to enjoy. I I've been going to this bakery that I accidentally stumbled across. One of those happy accidents. Um, and so I've been going to this bakery, uh, and I ended up picking up a cheesecake for Marissa and I to enjoy at the end of the night once the kids were down to sleep. So we had, we had our moment, and um, then. Outside of that, got into got into journaling <laughs> this week. Okay, and so journaling it's it's more like uh it's kind of I think what the term is from what I looked up because it's it's through an app it's micro journaling so it's not as much of stream of consciousness where you just write and write until you're done writing it's more of a focused uh, journaling so it's every day they pose you questions and so the questions are give us three gratitudes give us three highlights and then the last one is if you had magic powers and, and could turn back time if the, is there anything that you would change for the day and so you kind of just you just list it out and what's pretty cool is you can always then go back to it and that's what i want to use it for is doing this and then going back to oh like what was i what was i dealing with last year at this time and kind of like then having a way to like i've been getting into lists <laughs> is what i'll say like i've been i started out i've been journaling like pretty much like what I've been playing, what I've been watching, things like that. And now it's like, you know what? I should be actually journaling, journaling. And so I got into that because it's a thing where I want to be able to like go back and kind of just do a little bit of inventory of, you know, what I've been getting into like in the past or, and then compared to where I'm at like now. And just so that if there's ever anything that I feel needs to be changed, it's like, I'm still on that bullshit. All right, we're cutting that out now. Um, and so, yeah, because of that, started journaling and really been enjoying it. But as far as yourself, A-Dub, how's your week been? Week hasn't been bad. You know, the company's moving. That was a big deal. Kind of weird walking through the malls that's been a decade at this company, seeing the walls bare, the office is empty. But you know what? The things change. Things move forward. So you just got to let go 
what you want to do. Embrace what's on the horizon. Uh, pun intended. No. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, you know, just just cleaning up, trying to trying to upgrade the place a little, change some decorations around, took some artwork down, put some artwork up, brought my man Galactus home, got him over to plant, had to take down the wild card skull. Apologized. Apologies to the to the gym, to the great one, Freddie Roach. I'll get it back up at another location, but we'll see. And yeah, family came over a couple of days or yesterday, a couple of days ago, a couple of days ago, it's Sunday. But yeah, family came over. That was, you know, an unexpected surprise. It was very nice. They, they ate dinner here, uh, showed them the new TV. Nice. Showed them, it was like, oh, it's better than the movies. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> putting stuff on, watching things, you know, a little comedy, threw some Marvel on, played, uh, played some Overcooked with my nephew. So that was fun. Nice. <laughs> Just sh- continuing to show people the splendor that is Overcooked. <laughs> it's yeah, you just was it like proselytizing? <laughs> Let yeah, them know <laughs> exactly. Just the herald of all things, yeah. all things overcooked. So that was dope. You know, went out on a Friday, which I normally don't do. Was so exhausted on Saturday. Didn't go to the boxing gym again. Apologies to the gym. Apologies to the great one, <laughs> Freddie Roach. <laughs> but yeah, didn't make it there. Well, yeah, other than that, you know, just having a good time trying to make the most of this four-day weekend we have, and boy, do I have a lot of material to work with. Hey, Dub, you know what? You brought it up. We knew that we knew that something was coming that you were looking forward to, so let's just get right into it, A-Dub. What have you been playing? Well, before I get into the big one, I'm going to hit you off with just the stepping stones along the way. Uh, of course, been dabbling with some Forza Horizon 5. Every week is a new season. Uh, I think we just got another new one. So yet another car for me to earn, yet another reason to get back and play the game in different ways with different vehicles and you know, gradually chipping away at what remaining content I still have left. So that's always an excellent mainstay until we get about two or three weeks into the future when Gran Turismo 7 will be out in the wild and that will be where my racing energies are focused, hopefully for the long term. Uh, moving on from that, we got a little lucky over the past couple of weeks. Your boys over at uh, CD Projekt Red decided to have a streaming event. Oh. And, and at that event, they revealed that the latest patch for Cyberpunk as well as the next-gen versions are available now. <laughs> in addition to that if you're on the fence if you're still trying to figure yourself out they also put out uh what i think is a five hour demo or like a 10 hour demo i think like five hour demo of the game so you can try it out figure out if it's for you if see you if it's working the yeah see if it's working if you think like the the additions and the new features are up to par then have to maybe you'll go in have to feedback we'll talk about that <laughs> Yeah, if you think it's up to snuff, then you could go ahead and dive in. Plus, it's the game's over a year old now, so it's definitely been marked down quite a bit. Yeah, it, hey, even go a step further. Just get the PS4 version, upgrade to the PS5 version. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's been improved, which is interesting. I mean, it, it is one of the, the topics of the week when I go into more detail, but it's definitely, like, it as much as I played the game, as much as I know about cyberpunk and know that I've had it for a year, I've played all this stuff. When I put it, when I fired it back up and started over, 
it did feel like a new game. It felt like a better game. And one of the reasons it felt like a better game is at least on the PS5 version, they have the adaptive triggers and the haptics. And well, I didn't think anything of it at first. I, I seldom think anything about those features. It's like, okay, so the triggers are going to behave a little differently. The controller is going to give me feedback on certain things that controllers haven't given me feedback on before. Cool, let's roll. The haptics actually make a substantial improvement to the driving of the game. Uh, a lot of things or a lot of games when it comes to their driving mechanics, unless they're straight up racing sim games or just games that have really solid driving mechanics, by and large, you're going to have this, this separation between yourself and the vehicle on screen because in general, a lot of games don't get driving right. You're sliding all over the place. The vehicle's too light, but it looks heavy. The vehicle's light, but it handles too heavy or something like that. There's, there's always a kind of disconnect. And Cyberpunk was no, was no innocent party in that situation. However, with the haptics now, the haptics and the adaptive triggers, now I can actually feel the weight and the character of what I'm driving. So it makes more sense to manage the speed according to like, all right, this shit is kind of struggling. Like it's, I'm, I'm going this fast, it's wobbling, it's getting a little tougher to, to control. Like it, it gets tougher to pull the triggers and like you really have to put in effort if you want certain performance out of the car instead of just mashing your imaginary pedal to the floor. And then when you're doing 120 and something that shouldn't be handling 20, <laughs> you sliding all over the place. It's also like it's it's hard to describe. I just think people need to get their hands on it, and you do get to drive a vehicle within the first five hours of the game. So, if you don't believe me, check it out. I've heard that they also do interesting things to convey the weight and the power of the weapons. So I haven't, I haven't really noticed that. The mission I was in was very, was very hectic. I have the difficulty on hard, I believe, or whatever the the first one is after, after the the default normal setting. So I have it on that. And yeah, man, I'm just focusing on the game, trying to do all this cyberpunk shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just taking a while to work its way back into my muscle memory. But yeah, that's a good time. I recommend people check that out. It, it, it was a nice surprise to come out of nowhere over the past couple of weeks. But the big item that I've been patiently waiting for, you know, just being cool, not freaking out or nothing, but patiently waited and was duly rewarded when Horizon Forbidden West finally came out. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a, that's a big deal. Dude, I was so happy. Thursday night, 9 p.m. rolls around. You know, I did I did my ritual. It's, I have a more adult approach to video game releases because we get them with digital distribution now. And sometimes you luck out where a game will unlock at 9 p.m., the day before it's street date. And it's like, oh, man, you, the, just the end of the midnight release, the end of waiting in line. I'm just like, I'm just waiting for my game to open. So went to the bar, got a drink, had, had a little chit chat, had some laughs, came home, smoked a bowl, and <laughs> also poured myself a glass of, glass of scotch, settled in, got my comfy clothes on, and just turned it on. And everything changed. After that moment, it's on its face. It is a substantially improved game in the department of visuals. Like you can just see 
detail off into the distance. It The world feels like a real permanent place. It's just got beautiful vistas. It's got imposing cliffs and rock faces all about. The open world itself that you're navigating through just buildings and the remnants of old civilization, our civilization. Uh, it's the performance mode. It's just got one of the most consistent 60 frames per second frame rates I've ever witnessed. Like it's, it's flawless. It's smooth. It's one of the most outstanding games I've ever gazed my eyes upon. Like I understand that it's a cross gen title, so it's not entirely leveraging the, what the PS5 is capable of doing, but it's absolutely getting the most that you can get out of like a PS4 level game because there are only a handful that looked this good. And I was like, The Last of Us 2, God of War, and now Forbidden West. Like, I think those are just the most visually striking games on Sony consoles. So you're getting that. You're also getting Aloy with her own special lighting. She looks like she does in the cutscenes during the normal gameplay. I it's, Oh man, you can suggest that resolution. It's unbelievable. I'm just thinking about it because all I want to do is play it today. But yeah, you get into the game. They've improved on areas that people had issues with from the first one. Uh, the most beneficial, in my opinion, being that it has much better voice acting. And now it has just these incredible physical performances to accompany it. I mean, it's not like they're just going through figurative dance and performing their asses off, but you believe them when they're talking, they have character, there's there's like emotion and things in their voice, they're making jokes. There's a lot of unspoken kind of vibing that goes on where you know you know how you convey things that you don't necessarily put into words with like eye contact or you know when when something when something dope happens and we give each other the, the side eye. But <laughs> yeah yeah like, I just did it. You know I did it. <laughs> you can feel it. But, yeah, it's got stuff like that, like visual storytelling, like what unspoken language. and it, Yeah, man, it's overall better. Visually, it's better. The new additions, like the grapple hook, have more use than just traversal, as it's an integral tool involved in the the like the environmental kind of platforming puzzles as well as your general progression through the game itself. However, it's just that it's a nice extra layer to put on to the horizon experience while also using it to redesign things in a more three-dimensional and, and creative manner. Uh, speaking of one of the environmental puzzles I had to solve. Now, when I'm talking about environmental puzzles, I don't mean just the run of the mill. You're trying to advance the story and you got to do a puzzle. I mean, like in random areas within Horizon, in the original one, they had these platforming puzzles where you'd see something high up or you'd see something off in the distance, only to think to yourself, how am I supposed to reach that? And then you start poking around and eventually you start to see sort of your path through this little puzzle that's just tucked away in the open world itself. So with Forbidden West, those are enhanced by the inclusion of the grapple hook and items that interact with it. Uh, you're using it to pull down walls or reach far away supply crates that you can't access, but you could grab it 
with the hook and pull it down somewhere you can't access it. You're you're pulling the ceiling down and creating a path for you to like drop things that you need through it. And you're you're moving boxes around, climbing stuff. The climbing system itself is also a substantial improvement. Uh, we remember back when people were first talking about what the game is going to have after watching the gameplay demo. Aloy would hit the focus. It would highlight all the handholds that are in the level. And rather than people seeing that, oh, I could climb almost everything in this little section, all they saw was, oh, the handholds are going to be highlighted. It's not really an improvement. It's still telling you where to climb. <laughs> so, but in the game, I mean, there have been several times where I've I've scaled sheer rock faces just based on my understanding of the environment and like seeing it, knowing that, okay, maybe I can climb this. Let me jump at it and I'm climbing. And next thing you know, I'm just going up. You didn't highlight a single handhold, found all kinds of little treasures tucked away, you know, walking around, going in openings, finding underwater caves. There's <laughs> all kinds of stuff going on in Horizon that is worthy of praise. Speaking of underwater caves, like her swimming, the the animations, you can dive. She she has an oxygen meter for the time being. We know she gets that rebreather. But there's, even at the outset of the game, I found an underwater cave where there's like a, a thing I can pick up at the bottom of the water, but it's just a little bit too far for me to get down there and back to the surface in a single breath. So I know I need to come back later. And there's like a vibration that's coming from further down. And I can kind of see what's going on, but there's rocks and it looks like it's something that maybe I have to, I have to either knock out of the way or I got to find my way into it once I get the rebreather. But there's, there's secrets. It, I've only played for about 10 hours. I'm at level 10. I'm finally, you know, reaching the point where I can buy weapons and outfits from merchants. I can upgrade stuff. So I have a, I have a full weapon wheel. I'm getting accustomed to what my weapons do, how to best utilize them. But um, in the starting area, I'm 10 hours deep. And I feel like it, that's densely packed with points of interest, things to do. Then you look at the rest of the map, which is covered with all the fog of war. And I'm like, damn, if the whole map is like the starting area, then this is going to be one hell of a just quality ride from beginning to end. Uh, I can go on about the ways in which Horizon Forbidden West is better than Zero Dawn. It's I guess I'm still in the honeymoon phase. But, you know, I'm looking forward to playing more, <laughs> looking forward to playing more, looking forward to pushing the story, looking forward to really opening up what's possible in this game. Because I have a lot going for me. I have some new things, but I've yet to get everything else that's on offer. So there's a lot to look forward to. However, AMC, what have you been playing? Just wanted to say so far, I mean, two for two, you can even say three for three again that we won't even discuss, but 2002. 2022 already off to an amazing start between what Pokemon, Sifu, and Horizon, and we're just we're we're still in February. We got Elden Ring coming. So many games. Light twos already out. Yeah, and so far so good. A lot of games doing well. Communities seem to be liking those games. Uh, do they? Do they? Uh, <laughs> do they the, yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely awesome right now. Um, as far as me, so played a couple games this week. A dub. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with Cuphead. We actually, Marissa and I, after taking a couple weeks off 
maybe even like a month off of playing Cuphead. We we just got right into it. Um, I don't know if it's because of the fact that my paternity leave, my slash family leave is going to be coming up on March 7th. So we're just trying to just cram it all in. I, I actually have like a before I go back to work bucket list <laughs> like um, in the works right now of things that I just want to do uh, over the weekend. I went to uh, this place, TK Burger is absolutely awesome. But Back at it. Um, so yeah, one of the things on that list, I think it just suddenly became Beat Cuphead. We've been really enjoying it. And so we started playing it. We've been playing it every day. Um, at this point, we have, because it lets us know, we have 92. So we have 8% of the game left. We've completed 92, 92% of it. So we've run through a lot of the bosses, just completely enjoyed the action. We're now in hell so we're making our way towards towards the devil um oh yeah shout out to cuphead the tv show i believe it just premiered on netflix don't know how Ooh, it's doing looking forward to that yeah um but yeah we just made it to hell we're at the casino and shit's popping off this it's not even the final boss fight it's the i guess penultimate it's the boss fight before the final boss fight and it's tough as shit but we are like loving it like it's awesome like even all i heard leading up to this game was just how tough it was not in a uh you know for some reason cuphead didn't get the it's tough it's like oh it's a tough game <laughs> um and so uh yeah it's it's tough but like also it's in a way it's like celeste in that like you're dying a lot but you always feel like but I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to figuring this thing out. And then once you're there, you beat it and you move on to the next thing. And I mean, that's like every tough game, I assume, right? But um, yeah, Marissa's really enjoying it. Even when we lose, she's just like, she'll be like, oh, fuck, we lost. She's like, but I love it. Let's do it again. And we just keep running it back. And so, yeah, push pretty deep into it. Um, probably have it beat by next week. And um, I'll probably tell you how much I love the ending of that game and how much I'm looking forward to everything else, Cuphead. Other than that, Played a little bit more of Disco Elysium. Was uh, enjoying that game. Uh, pushing forward with the story. You know, doing doing the damn thing. And it was actually last night. I I just, for some reason, I just got an urge for more action. And it's I'm actually, like, I love the RPG, RPG mechanics of uh, Disco Elysium. Great story. Um, I love what they're doing narratively with, you know, exploring political perspectives and um yeah just just certain things that they've done to even get it like close to like that pen and paper style of gaming um but for me like you know i felt like it was i i just wanted like just some straight up just action and so i decided to take a break from disco elysium and i i had multiple games in that backlog that i could fire up and i've been watching the shit out of Castlevania, the uh, Netflix series. I had gotten up to season two, took a break for some reason, and then jumped back in on season three, watched all that, and I'm in season four right now. Just absolutely loving it. And so because of that, I just had an urge to play a Castlevania game. And so never having played it, I decided to fire up Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Um, it's off of that Castlevania oh, damn. Yeah, Requiem <laughs> collection. Uh, and you know, I had always heard from the, the homie Don and just other people that symphony and i is just a classic absolute classic and then when even when they released this not even remake it's just they just re-released it in the collection with um castlevania i believe rondo blood and just hearing people how much they love this like just this you know this re-release of the ps1 title and so i was like well it seems like it's it held up even if it's going to be like a little rough graphic wise and uh, why not give it a shot if it's one of those all-timers and so i fired it up and it's absolutely amazing so 
first of all, it has everything that you love about a Castlevania game as far as like, you know, that vania where it's, you're going to be going back and forth and, you know, doing things like that. Uh, you're coming across places early on in the game that you can't access and you know that you'll later have access to those areas. But on top of that, what I didn't know about the game, uh, did you ever play it? Symphony of the Night? No. Yeah. I wasn't uh, a Castlevania guy. Like all I could think about was uh, Simon's Quest. Yeah. NES. And it was just like, that game is way too cryptic and difficult for me to be trying to get into the series at this point. <laughs> yeah. So what I didn't know, like outside of like, you know, the Vania aspects, the Metrovania aspects of this game is that it's like a straight up RPG. Like I get hit, numbers get knocked out of me. You also have equipment that you can equip. Like there's loot drops and shit like that. Um, so you can switch up your weapons and switch up like your battle gear and all that stuff. So uh, you, you have magic and there's all this stuff that you get as your character progresses, progresses through the game. And so because of that, I was just like, holy shit, like this is like a stat driven game on top of it. And I did not know that aspect of it. I just knew it was a great Metroidvania game. So because of that, it's just, it's absolutely awesome. Played it. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, what am I, how am I trying to say this? There's something retro and, you know, not like the SNES, NES retro style, like the PS1 retro that gets overlooked sometimes because people, you know, people get caught up on the polygonal and how, you know, uh, it doesn't hold up to the way it used to. But, um, and so when there are cutscenes in the game, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little rough, but in a way, but it, because it takes me back to when I first got a PlayStation 1, it is, you know, it just, takes me back to my childhood of like those games and it, it in a way just feels great to see that again and it's like in its true form as opposed to like you know playing a, a remaster and them redoing the cinematics to make it a little more modern like uh and so because of that the uh the cutscenes are great um and you know gameplay is king and it it is every bit of that because in this game it's just it's just good action and that's exactly what i wanted um and so, yeah, I, I can't wait to play more of it. I only put in about about like two hours last night, made my progress, figured out like saves and everything because I didn't really understand. Like they just throw you into that game. Uh, you're playing as Alucard, which is the son of Dracula, um, which is perfect because that means you're a vampire and you have all types of like special abilities that they can add to him later in the game. But um, yeah, what I um, love about it is that it just drops you off into that game. Like shit's going down. You play the very end of um, Rondo of Blood, the uh, the prior Castlevania game. So you play that final boss battle to start out the game, and then Symphony of the Night starts. So um, the events that take place at the end of that game carry on into this. So this is a direct sequel. And when they throw you in, there's no tutorial. They don't tell you like what does what. Like I actually had to like hit start and pull up like the button maps just to see like which buttons do what. And then you know you're just getting items and you're learning like oh like this button is actually swing with the right hand and this other button is like either second hand weapon or shield. So I can use a shield to like deflect attacks or I can you know equip another sword or whatever else I'm assuming I'll get later on in the game as like you know a secondary attack on top of like my um my. Uh, I will say like distance weapon, you know, things that I can throw at people. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a pretty in-depth game and having, you know, just played Metroid Dread I, and, you know, even uh, having played Ori, um, Ori in the Blind Forest, playing two great Metroidvanias, you kind of get a feel like, okay, like 
they all kind of have a similar feel, even though they do things differently. But like, and so a part of me playing this one thought like, oh, this one is just going to be very dated. And so it might not be that interesting. But because of the fact it has all those extra RPG mechanics on top of it, as far as like the loot and uh, what you're equipping to, you know, make up your character's um, outfit, uh, all of that, like just makes it totally original. And I completely see now why people said like, this game is an all-timer because we even haven't, we haven't gotten a Metroidvania like this since then which is actually shocking um i mean come on like i don't understand why konami at this point can't just get a, get a remaster of this just out there to the world for people to just re-enjoy but it is what it is um that's all i got for what i've been playing a dub so let's get right into these topics of the week top topics of the week yes yeah, so we were off for two weeks sorry about that shit came up with the super bowl and scheduled conflict so we have two weeks of news so let's just jump right into this a dub because we have so much so you want to lead it off a dub yeah the topics of the week i'm gonna lead up topic of the week i'm gonna start a little strong here <laughs> gonna hit you with some no man's sky news so as some of you are probably used to including myself at this point no man's sky has released another significant content update i'd say significant because it's like an official release, it brings changes, it overhauls aspects of the game. This is the Sentinels update. Here are some of the features. Uh, they introduced the Sentinel hard frame mech. So it's a brand new robot enemy. It's a heavily armored hard frame mech. It's huge, has lasers, terrain destroying grenades, plasma power flamethrower. <laughs> it's a whole new kind of Sentinel. I'm looking at images and it looks frightening. So I'm looking forward to seeing those in the wild and trying not to run afoul of their path. Next upgrade, total visual overhaul for weapons. So all the multi-tool systems from the mining laser to the scatter blaster have received a significant visual overhaul, benefiting from new projectiles and beams, muzzle flashes, lighting effects, refraction, new impacts, and more. <laughs> Uh, advanced combat upgrades, you're going to get new upgrades that have depth of combat, the ability to add stun or incineration effects to your existing weapons, or to set up your multi-tool to deal extra damage to targets you've previously tagged. There's even an active camouflage that they've included in there, so No Man's Sky is slowly including some of the elements I felt would have rounded out the experience for not only the average gamer, but for the discerning gamer with taste and preferences like those of us here, control issues. Next, update AI robotic companions. So players can reassemble and reprogram their own friendly robotic drone companion, or you can go a step further and salvage Sentinel hard frame parts to build your own autonomous AI-powered giant mechanical escort. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Get you, you get your hard frame mech, homie. <laughs> yeah. No Man's Sky, continuing. Uh, there's going to be new stories and missions. There's going to be improvements to the combat flow and feel. There's a vast list of tweaks and refinements that have been made to weapon feel and flow, making for a more dynamic and impactful combat experience. There's also new drone enemies. The regular Sentinel units have been overhauled with heavy combat and shield drones, dedicated repair drones, and even advanced summoning units joining the existing patrol drones. So it seems like No Man's Sky is slowly trying to turn itself not only into the chill, visual, like, what is it, interactive space novel, but now it might be turning itself into a competent 
shooter competent combat experience. And, you know, I use the term competent lightly since Hello Games hasn't put out a game of that nature. But, you know, this is the second improvement that they've made to combat in the way that weapons handle. So that gives me a little hope that maybe since the last update, they saw some things like, okay, this worked, this doesn't work, this needs to be better so this can work properly. And like, maybe this is that update. I'm going to fire that up today and give it a little taste. AMC, is this the update that makes you ready to jump back into No Man's Sky? Uh, no, nah, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to. It, it, it's just there's too many. There's too much. This is not the year. <laughs> just uh, as we discussed, there's just so much coming out this year. And so I'm going to be very selective. That was pretty much why I took a break from Disco Elysium. It's like, there's just too much out there. And I'm enjoying this game. But I know that there's a game out there that I could be loving. And so let's let's find that game. And so, yeah, I, I, that's how I feel with No Man's Sky. It's one of those games that when I saw it on your TV and that was whatever update ago, uh, it looked awesome then. And every time I see that there's a new update with just content and, and mechs and all types of shit, uh, it just, it looks, it, it sounds and it looks incredible. It's just, uh, do I have, you know, do I have the time to jump in and kind of play a game like that? But I, I love what they're doing. I love that they're just constantly just finding ways to just chisel at this like perfect at this like not gonna say perfect because it's constantly getting better but at this awesome statue and just you know getting a little crease here putting the little vein there getting a little little pectoral here (laughs) like things like that and it's just forming and forming and forming and i i actually like appreciate this i this approach of just constantly figuring out like how to fine tune this thing like a like a machine and they're just getting every little inch out of it and as the hardware gets better they find ways to make it better um and so yeah it's it's great uh i love everything that i'm hearing about it and every time i just see a trailer it looks awesome the sentinels look absolutely mammoth and you know that was like one of the things when they added like maybe the freighters or whatever like it was like oh this is a cool thing but um you know it's it was kind of stationary, I guess is the way it's how it appeared from like the outside, but it seems like they're just getting a bigger scale when it comes to things out in the world that exist and have life and are motion that like have motion and have their own AI. And because of that, like, I just, I'm, I would love to just eventually just go out and just explore one of the worlds and just see it like, with all that it has to offer because my, my personal experience of no man's sky would go so far back that it would be like day and night people talking about like, Oh, empty worlds. Yada, yada. When it comes to, uh, you know, open world games, like no man's sky. I can't imagine what it looks like now at this point. It looks outstanding. And when you pop on over to see your boy, Oh, I got some shit to show you on this TV. Oh man. No man's sky looks absurd. Yeah. So when, what, what would you need added to the game in order for you to come back? Like, when will Sean Murray finally put out the update that gets AMC on board? You know, it's it's not even about because the game just looks it looks good right there. It's more of a uh, a wanting to you know play that style of game. Like, I almost look at it for me personally. Like, it's one of those games like. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the right term, but like a platform, but not a platformer. But you know how like they talk about Minecraft and Roblox, how those things are just like worlds that you go in and you can kind of just, you know, literally it's a literal sandbox. You can just do whatever you want, create whatever you want, um, approach the game in whatever style you want. There's no real handholding. And that's 
the type of game that uh, No Man's Sky appears to be from an outside perspective. And so because of that, um, there's almost nothing in particular that I want to do. Uh, and so I would just have to have a desire to want to go and just, you know, be totally creative in that sandbox. And as of right now, there's nothing that engages me in that way. So it, if anything, it would need a campaign, but um, I don't necessarily know if they put in a campaign, if that would be enough to get me there. Well, AMC, we got our next topic of the week. Top, top topic, topic of, the, of week. the week. And it's a continuation of what we were just talking about. Because the Sentinel update marks the 19th major update <laughs> to Nomad Sky. <laughs> Putting in work. Now, you would think, hey, you know, 19 major updates. Maybe we're close to done. Sean Murray said, uh-uh, uh-uh. Got real, got real puff daddy on you. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he said, as many updates as we've done since launch and as many bucket list items we've checked off, our list of things we're excited about never seems to get any shorter. The team are always coming up with new things that they want to do with the game, new content and features and areas for improvement. I'm amazed that the energy levels are as high now as they've ever been. We tend not to talk about what's on that list publicly, but suffice it to say we're not done yet by a long shot. He goes on to say, I like to think that No Man's Sky is such a large game that we have to paint in broad brush strokes. And then each update comes along and fills in some finer details, but also paints more new broad strokes. That's certainly the case here. If you look at our patch notes, you'll see an absolute ton of refinements, but also huge new features too. So uh, AMC is, I think there might be an indirect relationship between when you're going to get back into the game and when Sean Murray thinks the game is done. Because yeah. clearly, I don't know, maybe you're waiting for something or maybe Sean Murray just wants to get your PSN ID back on the game. <laughs> or he's like, I got AMC back. It's done. Damn. Yeah. Which is crazy too because the I mean, this isn't even all the uh the no man's sky news that we have for this week because in the next story in the next topic of the week no man's sky shows up again a dub so let's just roll right into it because there was also a nintendo direct last week it was pretty you know pretty big i would say there was i always say yeah whenever there's in a like whenever there's like a direct state of play xbox id whatever um I watch those things, and if I could walk away with, as I said, one or two games that I would buy, then I feel like it's successful. People, they look at it, and it's like, if I don't want to buy every game, then somehow yeah. it was a failure. <laughs> it's like they, they wasted they, my time. They somehow gotten $300 out of you in video games, but because they didn't get $350 out of you, like they somehow failed. It's <laughs> um, more indie trash. <laughs> Uh, they wasted time. <laughs> and so, yeah, with that, we had the Nintendo Direct, and man... um, I just have like a list of things. Feel free to jump in and throw in any games. We could just, we can go one for one, whatever. Um, but, you know, I'm going to lead off with, um, hey, you know what? Because we were discussing it, we got word that No Man's Sky is traveling to the, to the Nintendo Switch this summer, A dub. So now you can get it on. Universe. Uh huh. You can get it on Xbox, you can get it on PlayStation, and now you can get it on Nintendo Switch. So Sean Murray is everywhere. You got you can get his updates everywhere, and the fact that like he's making he's just making it work on every console. A game that looks like should not be able to work on anything outside. Anything. Of, yeah, <laughs> he's he's figured out how to make it work, um, and so yeah, that's that's even a success in itself. And they didn't say like No Man's Sky Cloud, like this is a straight up like 
native to the console, I guess, um, uh, port of the game. And so it looks awesome and great news for Sean Murray. Um, do you have anything else as um, before we keep it moving? Hey, Dale, we're jumping. Hey, it's just awesome that more people get to jump into the universe of No Man's Sky. So looking forward to the fresh new feedback, the, the influx of people who get it and are going along for the ride. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations to Hello Games. Congratulations to Sean Murray. Keep pumping out the updates. Let's get AMC back. Yeah, I would say, if anything, like the more consoles it gets on, and especially the way that it's been staggered, um, the further you get from those early adopter, never forget PlayStation guys yeah. <laughs> who like are, who are still holding on. It's like people got on Xbox, didn't experience that. People got on Nintendo, didn't experience that. And anybody who's who's playing it, it's a distant memory. So yeah, it's uh, it's kind of great that to see the evolution of this game continue. And as you said, far from finished. Far. Uh, get into the next game. Do you want me to just rattle these off, or do you want to choose one, A-Dub? Well, I'm going to choose one. Well, I, I feel good that uh, this rumor was finally confirmed, and we got to see that there's going to be a remaster of Chrono Cross. Mm. So I I have vague memories of playing Chrono Cross. I remember it being awesome shit where you like line up colored tiles, <laughs> and, then, and then that's how you execute your combos. Or something like that. There was something weird. I was just like, what am I doing? This is not Chrono Trigger. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. I'd be down to watch some gameplay videos and perhaps give it a second chance. However, this was something that people were excited about. Apparently, there are Chrono Cross fans who were like, oh, it's coming back. (laughs) So you guys get your day in the sun. Praise the sun. You did it. And Chrono Cross, it's coming out. Uh, It was debuted at the Nintendo Direct. However, I believe follow-up news suggested that it may be coming to other consoles as well, so be on the lookout for that. AMC, what's our next game? Next game. I just want to say real quick, too, it's like, it's interesting that you know, we got Chrono Cross. It's like we're, we're, we're dancing around Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI. Yep. And like, you know, like, they they know the magnitude of getting those out, whether it's like a, a 2D HD remaster or just a straight up remaster. But there's they're aware of the you know just the reverence and the love for those titles. And so I you know we're we're dancing around it and it's gonna happen one day, dub. I, I just can't wait. <laughs> Dude, could do you think that you are mentally, physically, and emotionally prepared to handle? Chrono Trigger in 2.5D with modern lighting and visual effects. I, I you know, I'm not ready. It's do you <laughs> think that you would be? Do you think the world would be able to handle that and not just in unison recognize uh, the greatness of Chrono Trigger? I mean, the first time I see like Ghetto, <laughs> the robot, all the robot. <laughs> 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 with a mic rabbit fighting oh yeah so I, at like, the festival <laughs> yeah i i'm not ready and so yeah you know what roll right into rolling right into the you know the next game that we'll bring up uh a game that i was not aware of and one that makes Ooh. me just question that there's just an alternate reality of just awesome jrpgs that we have not been able to play and this being live alive 
Um, so we know that Live Alive will be coming west for the first time in 2022. Live Alive, goddamn sense. <laughs> yeah, Live Alive is a JRPG that was previously never released outside of Japan. Uh, it will be coming out July 22nd. Uh, we know that Alive Alive will arrive on the Switch in an HD 2D style, similar to Octopath Traveler. Uh, um, a lot of things similar. I mean, it's crazy. Like this is. I thought Octopath Traveler was like, you know, the first to kind of be doing what it was doing. And then I learned that Live Alive is already there as far as like, you know, having these eight characters with their own storylines. I guess I will say Octopath Traveler, their storylines end up like, you know, coming together where you then have all your characters and whatnot. It's just they have their separate main stories that you then have to go out and play. Whereas this one, it seems like they're all completely separate. But from what I saw, all really interesting all great characters they got like a kung fu dude they got a future psychic they got everything as far as like just well thought out well fleshed out characters uh presentation looks absolutely amazing um this is day one purchase for me i like what i was sitting here thinking is just like you know in the west and you kind of brought up in in the pre-show and we can like get into it like in the west out here like we have final fantasy 6 and it is you know is the holy grail it is just the best of the best when it comes to, you know, the, the SNES JRPGs that you think of and, and Chrono Trigger right up there, but different, yeah. a little bit different gameplay. But um, yeah, Final Fantasy VI at the top, crowning, crowning achievement. And Absolutely. seeing this Live Alive game, it's just like, how many other Final Fantasy VI's were there out there that we're yeah. just not aware of, that were just not ported, that... Just like, oh, you guys had that one. We had dozens of them. <laughs> and you know, I never really thought about that. Is like, why would Final Fantasy VI on its own forever not have a rival? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not have a rival, not have another game surpass it. Like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really weird. And I never thought about it. It's just like I just accepted that this was the best RPG of all time and never never bothered to find anything else. So yeah, seeing Live Alive, seeing what it's doing, and with it getting that 2.5D treatment, that Octopath treatment, and those visual effects, it just it pairs so well with the pixel art that it just it brings it to life in the same manner that like good lighting did for 3D. It just puts that layer on it that makes it believable and real. It's like it's it's like when you imagine what's going on as you read a storybook or something like that. There's something that's all text and you try to put things together in your head, but you're looking at that and you're kind of seeing the words and the descriptions. It's kind of in reverse. Like you're looking at the pictures and the story is writing itself instead of you reading and trying to create a picture. Like Live Alive is dope. Looking forward to playing this. Different characters in different periods of time, which technically means that this game is a collection of a bunch of smaller RPGs. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> there's the Old West RPG, the the future RPG replays robot. It's a, the Edo Japan RPG replays <laughs> a ninja. <laughs> yeah. Like imagine if you played in a separate world of every character of Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, and it still would have been hot. Like that's yeah. what's uh, that's what's great. It's like that's even interesting, especially because with that, like the different characters having their own like skill sets and things like that. Like it's 
they can really have fun with how they end up like doing each character um and that's what was so beautiful about final fantasy 6 was each character was so unique that you know it wasn't just like all right we get into the quick time battle and I'm going to put my attack or my magic. It's all right, this guy, I need to do a Hadouken. <laughs> and this guy, get him off the field. Yeah, this guy, I need to wait as his attack builds up <laughs> so he can get that, that quad slash. Uh, yeah, it was just like this one. I need to go and go into the, the Serengeti for a little bit to get some attacks. <laughs> and as and every time I come across a new enemy, they end up in that Serengeti and then I can get their attacks. Like, uh, it, yeah, it's just, there's something that was so special to that, of that. And knowing that Live Alive has, as you said, like its own, like each character has its own story, which means its own mini RPG. I w- I'm hoping that like each one is very unique in their own way outside of story. And um, this game looks absolutely amazing. I can't wait to play it. Uh, See, this conversation also reminds me that, like, back when I was playing Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VI, III, Japan, U.S., but yeah, back when I was playing it, I was too young, I was too young to appreciate it at its highest levels and its finer details. Like, it's it stuck with me over the years, and I gradually appreciated it more, but, like, now I'm more cognizant of, okay, I can't just attack everybody all the time now. I got to start mixing in some of these status effects and things like that. Before, I would just, I guess that's also how I figured out how to really prioritize targets and games in general. But I would just watch those active time bars. And just like, all right, you get, you got to go first. You got to go first. He has a move coming up, heal, and then attack them. This guy's coming up, focus. But now I'll just be like, oh, you're about to attack dark (laughs) oh you got nothing but spells mute (laughs) just like every time their their turn comes up just taking away their strengths and then picking them apart because then they have to waste turns trying to either remedy their thing or it'll last until it turns out so oh man there's just so much more i could have been doing with those games yeah. Mm, just another so, reason yeah. to go back, revisit, put out a remaster for us, a remake for us, and then we can really do it. I think they want to do those games. I think you're right that they there's such reverence for them, especially with all the little remakes and like re-releases that they've done with them that didn't quite hit as hard as they may have hoped. Mm-hmm. But with these, like if they do this right, just take the original game, give it the visual treatment. And it's over. Like the spells and the 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 team text in Chrono Trigger with, with that lighting, <laughs> those particle effects, like oh my god. The pixels moving in what's a seemingly 3D space instead of just being flat 2D, they're lit. Huh. Like, I would love to just even just see the part where was it like where you're racing in like the future wasteland? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I want to see the, the more scenic stuff. Like uh, when you're escaping from the prison with Luca and you're running across the bridge, then the tank comes. Yes. <laughs> uh. Just that face off with those visuals. But yeah, I mean, we could speak volumes about this. Let's get to the next game. So. I did live alive, so it's on you, Ada. What do you want to do? You did live alive. Well, you know what I gotta do. Yeah, you know your game. Uh, yeah. When I first saw it, I thought, "Is Nintendo Switch debuting Armor Core Six at Direct?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is 
this is the best day ever. <laughs> but it was it wasn't quite that, but it was still just as good. We're getting a remake of Front Mission One. And of course, it's got that visual treatment. It looks like it's been lovingly handled. And it's Front Mission 1. If you've been down with the Front Mission franchise, then you already know what it is. I can't really describe the story to any extent because I believe I was playing Front Mission before I really learned how to appreciate story. But yeah, insofar as the gameplay, it's a tactical turn-based game where your units are mechs. And you outfit them like you make your team of mechs and you put them on the battlefield and you go into these missions. Uh, things change, you know, bigger enemies show up. Maybe there's objectives that you have to do. There's a storyline. I believe the pilots also have stats or something. I don't know. You're going to have to check it out. It's been a while since I've played Front Mission. However, seeing it on this direct in its remastered form, knowing that that's going to be coming out, I believe it's also not just the Switch. So I'll have to fact check that and get back to you. But yeah, not only are they getting Front Mission 1, but they're also getting a remake of Front Mission 2. Hopefully this means we'll see this on other consoles because I would like to get this on the comfort of my PlayStation and play the absolute hell out of it. AMC, how did you feel when you saw this remaster? And uh, is Nintendo just the the new gaming industry daddy right now? I mean, yeah, it's there's certain games like it's, it could come out on another console, but this is a perfect Nintendo Switch style game, a game that you could add yeah. on to on the go, a game that you could pick up and play with the, the turn-based tactical nature of it. You could just, you know, put in standby, mid-battle, take it with you, pick up where you left off, get in a couple moves, keep it moving <laughs> if you if you got that life. But um, I remember you had put me on game about this when I was asking about um I'm not sure if I was just like asking about tactic tactical turn-based games that like you had mentioned. Maybe it was the fact that like mechs, who knows? But um, yeah, you told me about it, and I'd seen a little bit, and it looked awesome. It was um, I'm not gonna say rough, but you know, it was on uh, P- was a PS2, so it, yeah. it was this was like only like maybe a year ago. So I was like, oh yeah, this game looks cool, but it's so long ago that you know I probably won't ever get to play. But knowing that it's getting remastered, um, it looked great. I didn't know that uh, that you could target certain specific parts of the mech, which is something oh, that I love in, in games. I remember like one of the first real experiences, like really enjoying that was like, and this is completely different, but playing Fallout and like shooting the shooting the dude's legs, and then he's like limping at me, <laughs> like, yeah, shooting the arm, and then he drops the gun, <laughs> things like that. Shooting the gun, and then it flies out of his hand and is unusable. Like I always love that. What were you say? Now with Front Mission, it's it's even more interesting. Like it's on a similar level because I think Fallout functions the same way, but it's just it's more interesting than simply aiming at the different parts. But the weapons that you get also behave in a manner where you you have a shotgun, you shoot it at them, you're hitting multiple parts. So you just like blah blah blah. (laughs) You just see like five numbers, six numbers, five numbers, six numbers (laughs) all over the body. Like it's it's crazy because it Sometimes you get those situations where enough parts are taking damage evenly mm. that you just hit them with that next shot. And it's like arm, arm. With <laughs> <laughs> the next shot, leg, leg, chest, dead. <laughs> dead. Yeah. So you get that like machine guns. You hit them with the just it's hitting <laughs> numbers popping up. It's great. It's always awesome to just break down these mechs. Plus, when you break down their body parts, of course. 
it's an RPG. Of course, it's similar to Fallout with the bat system. Like, you hit a leg, you reduce their movement. You hit an arm, you eliminate that weapon or you eliminate some attack power or something like that. Like, the, the different body parts have effects that change the flow of battle. Like, you can disable a mech with, without really taking it down. And that's cool. So you should look forward to that. Front Mission is one of the greatest games I've ever played. I believe the game I showed you was Front Mission 5. So if you, didn't, if you were like, oh, I still old, I don't know. But you're getting it right back in your face. It's going to be remastered. It's going to be gorgeous. Yeah, man. I hope you're excited. Are you, is this going to make you get a Switch OLED? Mm, uh, possibility, <laughs> yeah. Especially I give this one to, to Theo, let him ruin, and then all oh. that OLED all to myself. Um, all right, yeah, keeping it moving. Let's see. Uh, we got an update from Kirby in the Forgotten Lands. Yes, we uh, did. We got we saw that they're adding a so mouthful mode is what they're calling it. Mm -hmm. In that, we saw Kirby swallow a car and then he <laughs> became the car. <laughs> he also platforming with the car. <laughs> yeah, we saw him swallow a vending machine and then he's just shooting, shooting cans of soda at people. <laughs> bags of Doritos. Yeah, he swallowed a glider, became a glider. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. I think he was a cone. And what I love about he it is he swallowed a light bulb. <laughs> yeah, light bulb. He's lighting up the areas. What's cool about it is that, like, it's, you know, the Kirby copies and all that stuff, you always think of them as, you know, offensive uh, choices. But in this one, um, with the mouthful mode and all that good stuff, um, really seeing that, like, that they're using these to then set up puzzles within the world and so then take advantage of the of the whole you know sandbox open world atmosphere of the game um and because of that like it's cool it's um there's a lot more to this kirby game they even showed us that with the copies of the different hats that you get after sucking up enemies you can then evolve those and get stronger versions of those uh those copy costumes which is really yeah. cool so it seems like there's a lot going to this game it's Coming to a point where, you know, like when we discuss like most anticipated, not really on my radar and making it like, I'm sure there are people already excited. So who is, who is it for me to say this, but like kind of a sleeper game for a potential like game of the year and has everything going for it. And definitely a game that I'm now like going to buy because like, you know, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, it looks cool. But I haven't really gotten into a Kirby game since, you know, the original Game Boy one. And I was like a kid oh. and they've always kind of given me those vibes of like, you know, pretty easy games to play uh, for like a younger audience. But this one going sandbox and having all these options within the world and reasons to explore and find secrets, um, definitely a game that I could play and have, have, you know, just a good time playing. And so because of that, you know, this is now on my radar as far as games I want to play this year and no, just game of the year, just stacking up most anticipated stacking up. It's, it's pretty crazy. I there you go. That's what I'm talking about. We got any more games. Uh, well, what was it? Uh, Super Mario Strikers. Yeah. We got Super Mario Strikers Battle League coming. Like, first of all, it just looks like a dope game. Yeah. When you throw in like the characters and, and the silly exaggerations of moves, like tackling the, tackling dudes into the wall and stuff. It's mm -hmm. kind of crazy. But when you take all that together and just look at the game being played, it's soccer. You know, not sim soccer, not competitive in that nature, but, you know, just fun soccer. It's like Street, but Mario. And yeah, it's you see it all come together. It's just like, this is not only a dope-ass game, but it is uniquely Mario and 
that just elevates it to a different level. You got what the hyper moves where characters can now score not one, but two, two goals. goals. <laughs> so they're very like unique and individualized hyper moves. I think Luigi kicks the ball in a tornado and tornado throws the ball out into the net. Yeah. <laughs> Mario like sends a flaming corkscrewing soccer ball into the net. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you have items and things you can use. Like think if Mario Kart met golf mm-hmm. and then lost the carts but kept everything else. So yeah, that's what it looks like. I think it looks outstanding. AMC, what did you think about the Super Mario Strikers? That looks phenomenal. Um, they they do a good job of like having these like spinoff games, whether it's the tennis, the golfing. I'm, I'm a big fan of like Mario Golf. Never really got into the tennis, but uh, Strikers, it, it takes me back to uh, this. They made on the SNES uh, a Mega Man, like, you know, Strikers style, like soccer game. And what was cool about it is because of all the different like, you know, enemies in Mega Man, they all have their specialties. And with that, you could, they added that as like their specialties, like cut man, how to like turn the ball into like scissors and, and like, it like the cut the field. Yeah. And like there'd be things like that. And each character kind of infuse their ability into like their special attacks. And I remember enjoying the shit out of that on the SNES. And this one kind of takes me back to that, but you know, with all the Mario, Mario characters, like we see Donkey Kong in there so, you know, there's going to be some great uh, additions. I'm even enjoying like some of the RPG elements as far as uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, your team, uh, you have your different outfits and those outfits then um, lead to different uh, stat increases or at least like stat builds for certain characters. So you can focus on like ball handling speed and things along those lines. And so because of that, it's like a more in-depth for a game that looks like is very simple. They there are ways to make it a little more in depth for the people who get very um, competitive. They even mentioned the online and how they have clubs within the online, so you can have like your individual leagues, and you can join other people's leagues or have ones that you know private ones just between the homies. Um, so it looks like they're putting a lot into this, and it looks like an absolutely fun game. And I wouldn't be surprised if it does well. Um, you know, we there there were a ton. We don't have to hit them all. Uh, we we also saw just as a note, it will be the show will also be coming to the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things. That, Sony going third party. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's like one of those things. Like maybe it's a, a happy thing. I know when initially. It will be the show was announced that you know it's going multi-platform due to the uh coercion of the mlb to sony <laughs> yeah, um they ended up putting it on xbox and that was a thing and people were like oh like i know sony's mad yada yada but now it's coming to this <laughs> and you know it's one of those things like maybe at the time sony's like ah oh, this is you know it kind of sucks because um we like having we like having you know certain weapons that can attract people to come over to our side and buy our consoles as we're seeing though it doesn't really matter uh nintendo like playstation 5 is just selling out everywhere it doesn't seem like the demand is getting hurt at all so i i I think that that isn't a real big loss to sony and now if anything they're just getting greater revenue from it being on all these different consoles like as we'll see when you know when the next Call of Duty comes out and Microsoft is just collecting, you know, a portion of those sales on PlayStation. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's one of those things that, you know, at the time, maybe Sony was like, damn it. But then as it, as they see the money rolling in, it's like, ah, you know what? Fuck it. Like, maybe it's a happy problem to have. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's now on the Switch. So Nintendo people can enjoy a baseball game as well. 
We're getting uh, Xenoblade 3. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't want to sleep on Xenoblade 3 and all that running. <laughs> all that running, all that, all that open world. <laughs> um, oh, man. That's about as much as I can say about Xenoblade. I haven't played either of the first two. Heard that first, the first one was just a classic, outstanding. Even GameStop was like taking copies of the game and opening them and calling them used and selling them for 100 bucks a pop. But what, we ain't gonna talk about that. AFC, how'd you feel about Xenogear, Xenoblade Three? Yeah, it's it's, it's been a, a franchise that I've always kept my eye on. But then every now and then I'll, I'll see like a game, and I'm like right there, ready to make a purchase, and I just don't make it. So it'll be interesting to see when this game comes out and all the features, the gameplay, see the enhancements, what changes they've made. If they've done enough to maybe get me to you know finally sit down and you know play this game, buy it, and, and get into that franchise. Um, as of right now, the worlds look interesting. That was really all they showed. Um, once I see some gameplay, maybe that will be the difference. Uh, the next game I'll say that I'll throw in there as well, just you know, just something to break down. Uh, Metroid Dread will be getting an update, a free update, as they'll be adding in a Dread mode and a Rookie mode. Dread mode is a one-shot kill, basically hard-as-fuck mode. And then we got Rookie mode for you boys out there who are, are, yes. are complaining uh they're also getting a boss rush in april what i like about this is that you know it kind of sucks when a game we'll say like a returnal or like a souls game and people are like oh it needs difficulty uh the thing that would annoy me is if people said it needed difficulty option and then they put it out later and then the community feels like they got to win because like, Oh, we got the developer to do something. What I like about this was a dread. It came out as is people played it. You know, obviously people didn't, I not obviously I didn't hear any complaints about the difficulty of the game. People just played it and enjoyed it. And then later, you know, they decided to put out an easy mode. And so people can come, the casuals can show up and play that version of the game, but it wasn't a thing of there were cores to put out, you know, difficulties so that people can play an easier version of the game and, and, and enjoy it as they would like it. Um, and if anything, that's how I would like to see this happen is if like, you know, if Housemark decided that they were going to put out an easy mode, that they put it out on their own and not like a thing where it's like, you need to put it out so that I can play your game. Like it's a thing that, you know, here's an offering uh, because, you know, we just want to put that out there for, for some people who might not have picked it up at this point. <sighs> a dub. Do you have anything else before we move on to the next topic? I'm trying to think because Nintendo is just dropping heat. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. But you know what? I, I, I'm not going to waste the people's time trying to probe my mind. We got too many topics. Next topic of the week. Top topic, topic of, of the week. Netflix. They're making a Bioshock movie. <clears throat> yes. So let's see. In a tweet, the, it was announced by a streamer that they'll be partnering with 2K and Take Two on a live action adaptation of Ken Levine's popular immersive sim set in an underwater city that was meant to house the greatest minds on earth before descending into chaos. So yeah, we got a, we got ourselves a little tweet. Netflix tweeted it out. We all make choices, but in the end, our choices make us Netflix plus Bioshock, which you kindly stay tuned. They're already tapped in. They know what they're doing. Um, I'm actually a little excited for this AMC, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I feel that with a movie, you could really dig into the characters. You could dig into the backstory of Rapture. You could give 
personality and significance to individual splicers. There's so many things that you can focus on that in a game, it's just lore or, you know, just description as you're going through and you have to imagine like what kind of people these people are other than just mindless murderers trying to come and get you because it's, there was a time before rapture descended into chaos and i feel like that can be explored upon a bit more uh how does this news make you feel as what i'm guessing is a bioshock fan as well yeah um everything that i know about bioshock i actually haven't played a bioshock game um really yeah haven't it's odd i i own it Thanks, thanks to PS Plus, I own the Bioshock collection. So I, I definitely need to just sit down and play it because I've been wanting to play that first one. Um, and everything that I've seen of it looks absolutely awesome. But everything I've heard about it is even better as far as the story. And, you know, some of the lore that they have set up there. Um, I know they mentioned that um, in the Hollywood Reporter article that they wanted to, you know, make this a like a multiverse style thing and as i know as i've heard with infinite that they kind of get into that multiverse aspect of it and so yeah because they're doing doing multiple movies they could you know jump into maybe the different timelines or things that are going on within that story within that lore um and you know as for me i feel like we're in kind of a, a golden age of video game like crossing over to media you know not everything pans out um but you know, I'm super, I'm loving Castlevania. Uh, I've heard, you know, Sonic is doing well. He's getting a sequel uh, and things other than that. The interesting thing here is now from your perspective, A-Dub, what do you think? Do you think they go animated or do you think they go live action? Because what I will say setting up, uh, leading this question to you is that it seems like with live action, there's a lot of uh, criticism from the gaming community if they get like certain actors, um, like you know whenever they like attach like even just a big name uh people just immediately like oh they got they got this person to play this character i wouldn't have done that (laughs) or whatever whereas if they were just doing a voice acting and animated thing maybe there's a little less of that so with that addition how do you feel how do you what do you think is the route that they go you think they go live action you think they go animated I mean, live action, they're going to have to spend the money to make that pop. They can't just get by trying to pump this out like they do every other movie that they put out. This is something that's going to need a requisite budget, whether it's for, you know, practical effects and physical wardrobe set design. Or, you know, if you're going CG, you definitely want to pay into the animations, the physical performances, especially of the the spider slicers, because they're like gymnasts (laughs) (laughs) and just straight up performers climbing on the ceiling. So I don't know, like I would want them to do it live action just so we could see those practical effects. And, you know, with the CG that would be layered on top of that, I feel like that could really drive home just the the feeling and the darkness and the bleakness of rapture after the fall so yeah i'm gonna go for live action i hope what about yourself yeah no um i you know i'm gonna go animated i i want to see animated version of this um just so that I can just see, like, I want to see it in all its glory as like watching Castlevania and just the way the action works on, and that's more of an anime, but the way the action just works, it's like, you don't have to worry about 
an actor who can't fight <laughs> that's always like the worry and like um i don't know like i watched uh what was it iron fist and you know seeing daredevil seeing punisher jessica jones luke cage like all of them worked and then you get to iron fist and you're just watching it and you're just like man this guy can't fight and he's a kung fu dude uh... <laughs> even watching like the new matrix movie like it was something about the editing where i was like the first like that original matrix like trilogy i felt like keanu could fight and watching this one he looks stiff as fuck obviously he's a little bit older and things like that yeah. on those lines but like they didn't help him as far as like the editing and all that stuff and so uh i just with animation you're relying on an artist which usually gets the job done uh to get the action right and so i just feel like there's there's less room for error when it comes to animation and so yeah because of that i, I would i would go with animation but not hate me if they if they go live action, it, they can still do it well. I mean, animation worked out exceptionally well for for Arcane. So yeah, mm-hmm. it you haven't seen it, have you? No, I have not. Oh my gosh, that is it's a it's the closest thing I would compare it to, at least in style and tone, is kind of like Spider Verse. Okay, interesting. All Just right. like it's. For what its content is, there's just this layer of artistry and expression on top of it that gives it like a character just so unique to what it's displaying. And plus, it's outstanding characters, great performances, beautiful artwork. And, you know, story was awesome. I'm looking forward to season two of Arcane. So congrats to Riot for putting that out. Yes. Yes, you got another topic of the week. Top, top, topic, topic of, of the week. week. Oh, we got we got some positive PR. A dub for Sony is coming by way with the release of Horizon Forbidden West. Oh. Um, a dub is going to be contributing to a better Earth because we learned that Sony today announced that uh, they have a play implant program to commemorate the release of, of Horizon Forbidden West. So Sony is working with Arbor Day Foundation and will and will donate a tree. Uh, to the restoration project for every player who unlocks their Reach the Dawn trophy in the game. The promotion ends on March 25th until all three restoration reforestation (laughs) projects are completed. It's estimated that 288k trees will be needed for them uh the reach the daunt trophy is unlocked automatically early on in the game story so you might have already unlocked it a dub how do you feel about uh this way of you know you know passively helping the environment while playing a video game (laughs) i mean it's a great way to utilize the profits that the game generates i mean we know this game is going to sell a lot of copies despite you know what people say online Go, go fuck yourselves I already, I already got your cash <laughs> so yeah it it's a good way to get back especially in the face of you know the way that our environment is going and you know mm-hmm. climate issues so it's a kind gesture it's good publicity it's in the spirit of the the content of the game itself I'm all about it I think more companies should do things like this whatever helps bring up some necessary area of our living on earth Mm -hmm. i always support that how do you feel about it yeah great story what's awesome about it is that it wasn't a you know i wasn't aware of it 
like months ago before, prior to launch like oh this is this is a, a way to shill some pre-orders out of people like i i found out about this after the game had come out and so it kind of like i i like that it's like oh you already bought this game and you also are helping to get more trees planted in the world on top of this so it's it's kind of a cool way to do something without you know making it front and center as to as this to, is our purpose and our mission. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people like to criticize Sony and, you know, just corporations in general for hopping on whatever cultural bandwagon to get some easy pub. But if they're actually doing something, I, I'm not going to be mad about it. And this one, you know, getting 300,000 more trees out there in the world is not a bad thing. Is how I see it. So why not? People are focused on all the wrong things when it comes to Horizon. This is another good thing to focus on. Absolutely. We got another. Wait a minute. We got something else. <laughs> we we got some bad things to talk about. We got a. Uh, it's yeah. miserable. Everything's wrong. Yeah. Oh man, I, I forgot how much I'm allergic to the smell of the bullshit. <laughs> oh man, that's why I've been getting stuffed up during the show. Yes, we got trouble. Yeah, so you know, new game, new trolls. That's just how the story goes. Of course, these trolls come sideways at Horizon Zero Dawn. If you may not have known, hating on her, not Zero Dawn, Forbidden West, but if you know, Horizon Zero Dawn has been a 24 hour job for a lot of trolls. So some of them have a decent amount of practice. Others seem pretty new to the game, don't really know what they're doing. They slip and fall on their face, but they're still good specimens. First Troll says, one of the worst sequels I've ever seen. Work more harder on the story. Graphics are not the only point on the game. Like Grammar is the point of a sentence, but whatever, we'll talk about that another time. However, one of the worst sequels I've ever seen. This is one of the best looking games on any platform at the moment. Performs rock solid. Work more harder on the story. A unifying theme within a lot of these trolls is that most of them were posted probably the day after the game came out. So people take to talking about things that they haven't even experienced. That's how you know they're trolls because they're out there lying to you. And not just like lying, but just speaking without that experience necessary to be able to render an opinion. So yeah, next troll says, please don't waste your money on this shit game. <laughs> it's a huge mess full of bugs. It's really bad. Unplayable. Jim Ryan lied to you, Sony fanboys. This is a lame PS4 game with the high price tag meant to fool you. What a waste of time and money. This is a huge disappointment. So the high price tag is meant to fool people that it's a good game. Yeah. <laughs> you, you think you're getting that, that quality Louis Vuitton game. That you're, getting that, you're getting that bargain bin. <laughs> you're getting that Morona clear. you that Morona gaming. <laughs> Next show says it feels like the first game. This should have just been a DLC, in my opinion. Yeah. It's the second Horizon. It's a sequel. As AMC would say, what did you expect? <laughs> like for, I'd like to know what people expect when they say things like, it feels like the first game. It's supposed to. People liked the first game, and now they're giving us more of it. 
it should have been a DLC. Like, get out of here with that nonsense. I barely scratched the surface of this game over 10 hours, which is supposed to be a third of the time it takes to get through the story. I'm definitely not getting to the story in 30 hours. And it's, it's phenomenal. This game is outstanding. I can't wait to see how it opens up, what new things it gives to me, what, what challenges it has me taken on. Because, like, man, even the way you engage combat, it, it just feels better with your combos and the enemies not being so predictable. It's You respect them. You're running around. There's The environment is set up with traps and other things you can utilize to you know, get some verticality, quickly get out of danger. Enemies are like charging through boulders, shattering things. Pieces of the boulders become obstacles that you can vault over in the middle of combat. They even have random events now where I was hunting a, a pack of animals, just taking their valuable parts when suddenly these dudes walk by and they just spook the machines. They start having this battle they're fighting the machines. Meanwhile, I'm taking shots from the murder grass, trying to knock off the valuable parts before they get killed. And I was just like, why, why are these dudes here? Why did they have to go by? So yeah, they kind of ruined my little, my little situation, but I made the most of it. So DLC, get out of here. It's a completely different game. Next troll says, game is just the same like Horizon Zero Dawn. That's a downgrade. It's repetitive, and forest plants or grass don't even move or get cut laughing my ass off. I, I can see that kind of complaint, at least insofar as things getting cut in the environment, but it's a video game. We haven't come that far yet to get that high enough level of detail without it being a, a focus of what the game is about. So this game does what it does extremely well. I can't, I can't machete through a forest. Yeah. <laughs> It does what it does extremely well. There's plenty of destructible stuff in the environment, including the machines themselves, which alone is a very visually satisfying experience. But the forest plants or grass don't even move. Everything is moving all the time in that game. When you move, when you're walking through grass, when you're walking through plants, they move out of the way around you. And they're blowing in the wind. You're going underwater. Stuff's moving. It's... Everything is moving all the time. Even the air itself. There's dust, there's particles. It feels like there's space between the objects, whereas most video games tend to have that empty air where there's just not even a speck of dust or like a leaf. But all that stuff is present in Horizon. Stop lying to yourself. Next show says, my experience is terrible. Game only looks good, but gameplay, not that good. Many glitches, annoying story, bad side mission, an empty world. So I'm playing this game. I'm just in the starting area. I haven't even gotten into the Forbidden West proper or whatever lies further west of me from this area. The map is absolutely massive like 97% of it covered in the fog of war. And I'm just like, if the rest of the map is this densely populated with points of interest and things to do, like it's already bad enough that it's huge, but that I'm going to have to interact with such a high percentage of the surface area of the game. Like just that thought was like, I'm going to have a blast, but this is going to take a long time. 
I mean, I look forward to that empty world. There's plenty of stuff to do. I still have stuff in the starting area that I'm going to have to get more equipment and come back to at another time. Annoying story. Uh, I told AMC in the pre-show, but what they've set up with the story thus far as Aloy's motivation to go to the Forbidden West, it's laid out some very interesting story threads that I'm looking forward to following all the way to their conclusion because, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything on the off chance that AMC may one day finally get into the splendor that is Horizon. But there's some some very, like, some next-level implications that are going on, and they just introduce you to that at the outset of the game. And I'm enjoying building up to that journey. I'm enjoying talking to the NPCs and getting side quests and helping them out. And this stuff is either going to get better as the game goes on, or there's going to be more of it. Right now, it's good enough. I don't want that to sound negative. Like, it's good enough. Like, it's fine the way it is. But if it improves and gives, like, just higher stakes and greater challenges, it's going to be out of control. Next show says, the game is very boring. After three hours of gameplay, you understand that everything is dull and monotonous. Some of us like dull monotonous. I mean, I play Fallout and I play it realistically. Y'all, y'all over here sprinting everywhere, uh, running up to a super mutant and vats with a shotgun to the face and like, oh, the game's so easy. You just vats everything, point blank range. It's like, nah, son, I'm engaging them in range. I'm moving through cover. I'm ducking. I'm taking measured shots, never touching vats. I'm throwing grenades. I'm playing landmines. I'm reaching up and just silently murdering everything like I'm, I'm taking it seriously i'm getting in the role i'm surviving in the world more importantly i'm living off the land and that's what horizon excels at you live off the land you get in a battle you take some damage you pop some herbs you get your health you finish the fight you go restock your herbs by looking for them in the environment you're getting your resources. You're getting everything you need to craft your ammo. You can only take so much with you. So you got to keep your supply on deck. It's little things like that that help bring a game to life. Even in a game like Dead Space, I enjoyed that there would be situations where the oxygen gets sucked out of a room. And then now you got to look for oxygen while also engaging with threats, trying to solve environmental puzzles and maneuvering in zero gravity. So it's, when you have layers like that of just circumstances that the player has to keep in mind continuously, that's when you have a real game to me. That's why Horizon Forbidden West is keeping me engaged. Next troll says, one of the worst sequels I've ever seen. Work more harder. No, it's <laughs> <So> a repeat. <laughs> Came back twice. Next troll says, not as good as the original. Glitches and horrible animations plague this boring game. Insofar as animations, I mean, even Aloy Underwater has sets of animations that are wholly different from anything that she's doing on land. Like, she moves like a swimmer. It's dope. It makes me want to swim more with her. It looks organic, dynamic. Uh, the cutscenes, that's where you see the animations show off the most because the physical performances of the NPCs do a lot to amplify just the dialogue. It's, I'm glad Gorilla really showed that they learned from the shortcomings of the first game. Like all the things that needed 
polish and a loving touch got it in Forbidden West, which makes it overall just a more solid package from the very first moment to what I'm hoping is a postponing conclusion. So we'll see on that. Next Troll says, disappointed by this game, boring and repetitive, basically a copy paste of the first horizon also experienced a lot of bugs. Well, I don't know when people were playing this game. There's haven't been much of anything I would consider a bug. Like I got too close to an enemy one time, got stuck in the floor and then popped back out and kept it moving. I, I got nothing, man. I haven't had any bugs. I can't relate to this. And this seems to be something that's being tossed around by a great number of specimens. Next one says, I've been trying to play this on my PS5 and it crashes constantly. Really bad frame rate too, even at 1080p. I thought Cyberpunk was bad at large, but this is completely unplayable. Yeah. So more unplayable. This game plays just fine. I've been playing it since 9 p.m. on Thursday. And that was the day before it came out. These reviews are coming out like a day or two after the game release. So what are you talking about? And when were you talking about it? Next show says, oh, what's up, AMC? You was coming in hot. <laughs> no, no, I just laughing, laughing. <laughs> Assassin, Assassin's Creed with dinosaurs. Bored of that. Obsessive advertising, trendy narrative, bought journalists. Zero difference from the previous part. PS4 graphics with 60 frames per second. Total crap. <laughs> Bart journalists. <laughs> uh, we're there. We're still there, Jeff. Yes. Trendy narrative. I don't know what's going on with that because they're not of this time. They don't speak in our dialect and our colloquialisms. Obsessive advertising. What advertising has been seen in Forbidden West for anything? Is he upset about the advertising to sell the game? And that's why you gave it a, a zero out of ten. Um, Assassin's Creed with dinosaurs, bored of that. You've only had that once. <laughs> You're bored of it. Whatever. But why are you here? Why did you buy the game? If you were bored of that, why did you get the game? AMC, why did they get the game? Because they felt because they saw a video and they wanted to be part of the conversation. Yeah. I, I still don't, I don't believe that they bought the game. But I don't either. They, they said they bought it, but I don't believe they bought it. <laughs> PS4 graphics with 60 frames per second. I mean, technically, but with PS4 graphics, it's at the top end of the range. It's not like it's just any old PS4 game off the shelf. Like, this is top three, top five at worst. Just best visuals that the console could ever handle. And then with the, the layers of the PS5 improvements, it's it's unreal. Like I'm very much looking forward to getting into it after the show. Like it's, but it's also it's like it's it's a stupid argument because you could say Breath of the Wild was a Wii U game. I, yeah. I'm playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It's absolutely awesome. It's a PS ps1 game uh -huh. like what does it matter that it was on an older console if the game is as i say gameplay is king if the gameplay is awesome that's all that matters and so like if you're gonna say like oh this this thing was held back but like if it's still a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 it's still a great game <laughs> exactly doesn't matter what platforms are it just matters how good it is uh -huh. next Joel says even worse than horizon zero dawn which is saying something Every character looks like if a random person from the street was performing at a circus, even Aloy looks less sexy. Yeah. 
I think that last part kind of sums up where this troll is coming from and why they just have no love for the game. Hey, well, it's fine. <laughs> like, leave her alone. You're, not, you're supposed to enjoy the game. You aren't supposed to enjoy yourself. Uh, I don't understand these people where if there's a woman in a game, she has to be attractive. Who, who's going to explain like what that is and what that adds to the value of the game or what it more importantly, what does it take away from the game other than something for you to stare at? And, and that's funny. Like people get tired. Of, I'm just going on a tangent, but people get tired of games and it's like, Oh, but you played this one. Why did you play that? His main character was hot. So I just kept looking at it. <laughs> and the thing is too, is like, if it was all males, then is the game now like unplayable because you, yeah. get, you get zero boners or is it that if there's a female, then she might as well be hot. If you're going to, if you're going to go through the trouble of making the animations for a female, yeah, might as well give me a boner while you're at it. It's, <laughs> it's one of the more ridiculous complaints that I've ever seen. It, not ridiculous in that it doesn't make sense because it does make sense. It's ridiculous because it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Next show says Xbox, it's better. Ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> there had to be one that might be troll of the year. We're gonna put that one on reserve. It's better. Last show says one point because the game is really pretty, but it is absolutely not fun and the story is trash. Uh. Posted one day after the game came out. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Barely anybody has beaten the game unless you just stayed up for ever since it came out and played nothing but it mainlined the story. So yeah, all these final opinions, all the all the smoke and mirrors about how people like to troll and just immediately review bomb a game. That mess needs to stop. It's so boring. I'm glad sites are starting to purge like the trolling from mm-hmm. their ratings and their their comment sections. So yeah, man, these trolls, they can take a hike. Oh, told you. Allergic to it. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. AMC, you got any more stories? Sorry, man, I'm falling to pieces, these trolls. I'm just getting... It's all right. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start moving into quick hit territory, A-Dub. Let's see. We have a story about... Um, we got the Law and Order sti- side of video gaming. Let's see. Um, so, your boy Gary Bowser, not, not related to Nintendo of America President Doug Bowser. But Gary Bowser has been sentenced for more than three years of prison time for his role in Team Executor um, in their hacking scheme, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. The DOJ characterized Bowser as a prominent leader in the group, someone who helped develop and sell devices used to hack video game consoles, including the Nintendo Switch. Bowser pled guilty for his role in the scheme in 2021 when he agreed to pay Nintendo $4.5 million in restitution. Um, he also apparently owes other people money because they said it was multiple <laughs> consoles. <laughs> but this was, um, I think, because it was Bowser's in the name that there's a focus on it being a Nintendo Switch thing. Uh-huh. But yeah, um, I guess the only question I'd have for you, A Dub, is how do you feel about people getting prison time for creating hacks for people to illegally, like you know, pl- 
play free games and then also selling those hacks and making profiting off of it. Uh, man, I mean that's that's that cybercrime. That's that's this theft by any other by any other execution. You're creating a means by which people don't have to pay for the stuff that they're experiencing. And that's that's not cool. I mean, I know we've mostly all who knows i'm sure some people oh, i've never done that but i'm sure we've all had our experiences with piracy and you know not throwing a stone in the glass house at the same token i don't do that shit no more so it's like, <laughs> i saw the light and it was it was never for for profit or benefit it was like oh i can do that on the internet that's cool and you know it's just an innocent i want this Oh, I can get it here. Let me check it out, kind of yeah. thing. I would say also, like, I would say also not to like justify it, but I would say that there is like as a kid when you have no money and you're just like, well, I can download this thing. Yeah. And so you're like, you're kind of learning the internet. But then when you're a grown man and you got money and it's like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not I paying can, for I, that. I can support. I'm a support. Yeah. Like it's, uh, or just in general, like, yeah, you kind of, get into that mode too where it's like i want to support creative people and not just i want to get as much as i can um and there there seems to be a little bit more outrage when it comes to you know like a gaming company having nfts (laughs) but like but when it comes to like somebody illegally downloading something and not giving any money to the people who took years even possibly crunch to get a game made <laughs> like there's like oh well you know it is what it is yeah i charge that to the game but it's like how dare they consider implementing an nft in a game or microtransactions or how dare they try to make more money <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm so, already not giving them any <laughs> yeah so like i feel like if anything it's like the uh the reaction um, to certain things as opposed to other things is more indicative of like where people's heads are at. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I know what you mean. It's like, we've all had our moment, especially with porn. Yeah. I, I, I pretty much have never paid for porn. <laughs> I, I don't know too many people that do actually, you know, spend money and contribute to their favorite porn stars, like livelihoods, but it is what it is. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if, if you're, if you're running a ring and you're profiting off of it, then it's one thing to be a user of the substance as opposed to somebody who is creating it and making billions of dollars off of it. Yeah. So I'd also say it. <laughs> yeah. So that, that sucks. But at the same token, I'm sure they knew what they were doing and you just can't do that. So yeah. Yeah. It's the justice system. So <laughs> I'm not going to get too, inflammatory with what i have to say yeah (laughs) yeah, yeah. i'll just leave it be hit you with the next little quick hit uh hundreds of rare sealed nintendo and sega games discovered in nebraska storage facility crazy Mm. son yeah so let's see a nebraska-based reseller called game room found the collection and there were let me see but several of the boxes are of incredibly rare games which more than make up for the other games that aren't necessarily as valuable. Uh, so a video game reseller, they discovered hundreds of factory sealed Nintendo and Sega games from the 80s and 90s inside a storage facility. Uh, they have a bunch of SNES, Sega CD, Genesis, Saturn, and 3DO games. And yeah, they were put in there by a store that shut down in 94, which is now you want to go back and look 
and see all the video game store closures and like, uh, I need to go buy me some of these storage lockers. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, when looking inside of the locker, they found an unsealed copy of Chrono Trigger on Super Nintendo. Apparently mm-hmm. that's worth like 2400 bucks and the world to me. Uh, Super Nintendo, they had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time, that's like 1400 bucks. Final Fantasy 3 is like $1,200. Had. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that's Final Fantasy 6, 3. Mm-hmm. And 1200 bucks, damn. Yeah. Damn. So Set Riders, 750. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, remember Cam T was all about Sunset Riders? <laughs> Bury me with my money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Classic. So yeah, I mean, good on them and good on those games, being able to see the light of day, especially that copy of Chrono Trigger. I'm extremely jealous. AMC, how do you feel about this story? It's awesome. It's like the greatest storage wars. You like if I were to bid on it and just have a treasure trove of you know, just classics, un- untouched, un- un- unburdened by the grubby hands of future haters. Uh, it'd be absolutely awesome. I-, I love that. It's also, it's like one of those things too. It's like you think that there's a limited supply of something out there in the world. And then you realize that, oh no, they're they're sitting somewhere in storage, which is like a metaphor for life. <laughs> yeah. Everything is just waiting to be discovered. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> I have no quick any more quick hits. Do you have any other A dub? I mean, I could talk about the details of the Cyberpunk next gen upgrade. Little things. You're gonna have additional apartments that you can rent. Uh, there's gonna be new interactions within those those apartments. Uh, you can also finally alter your appearance in the mirror after you make your character, just in case you wanna, you know, really lean into the cyberpunk nature of the game and just switch it up <laughs> change change from a woman to a dude or no i don't think you could do that maybe you can't i don't know but you can you change your boob size and change change your pubic hair cut and color <laughs> get, in, get in there and really do it up change your cybernetics change your eyes so yeah cyberpunk it's it's coming back it's doing some stuff it also has some features that are just for like the current gen so, yeah, man, they got balanced HDR. They got visual quality improvements. I can attest to those firsthand because it definitely looks like a much better game, especially when I have a when I cut the HDR on. It's like night and day. I think it adds reflections and things like that. Not necessarily ray tracing, but just a different kind of the lighting is better to an extent. So. Yeah, they got the support for spatial audio on PS5 for the 3D audio enabled headphones and built-in TV speakers. <laughs> so yeah, it's the the update in the next gen version has done a lot for the game, and you know, thankfully they got it to a condition where it can be played somewhat error-free. I think I read into one bug, but it wasn't obtrusive or immersion breaking. It was just annoying as all hell. And yeah, man. How do you feel? Are you finally going to get into Cyberpunk, especially since it has the five-hour demo that you can check out, see if it's right for you? Yeah, I mean, there's everything's lining up for for me uh, to play this game. I watched the um, the gameplay trailer or whatever demo that they put out. It was like a 30-minute demo. Showed some of the mirror stuff that you were talking about. Saw some of the action. Saw a little bit of sword action. Saw a little gunplay. Um, then saw, was it your homie, Johnny Five Fingers? 
Uh, Johnny Silverhand. Yeah, Johnny Silverhand. <laughs> Johnny Five Finger Discount. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, saw him. Wrote, saw saw the, the guy riding with him in the car doing that thing. And, you know, the game just looked presentation wise it looks interesting like it's more than i could say like witcher as much as people love witcher 3 wild hunt whatever um i played it and like you know i just fell out of interest with that game and this one looks like something that i would actually enjoy playing for a lengthier period of time if not all the way through and so yeah i actually uh after watching it i added it to my my list of games that i plan on buying and so it's more of one of those things that i just have so much on the table that it's just gonna sit there as a reminder whenever i see something that i might be like oh i'm gonna just buy this and it's like well you got this also here that you would rather play it's now on that list um and so yeah i'm i'm all over it um by the time i get to it there'll probably be more patches in it and they'll continue it seems like they're they're invested in making sure that this game fulfills at least some of what they wanted people to experience on launch day um and so i'm sure they'll continue to put out updates for this game and make sure it's in working order and by the time i touch it it's going to be on another level and so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to eventually playing this game i will play it um and that's all I gotta say about that game. AJ. Yeah, I'm very excited to hear your impressions because yeah, you gotta be in on that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's required. Well, I'm fresh out of quick hits. You're fresh out of quick hits. Yeah, any final words, they do? Any final words? Uh, Black History Month. That's always a great time to bring up the late, the great. Is he late? Is he dead? Jerry, I want to say his name is Jerry Lawson. Yeah, Jerry Lawson. This man, Gerald Anderson Lawson, is single-handedly responsible for cartridge-based gaming. Yes. He just he had a he got tired of like having to go between games the way it was, and he built a system that allowed him to have games on cartridges, and he could just pop it out, pop one in, in another game. And yeah, it's a big deal. And uh, I feel like people don't really know that. And I would hate for Mr. Lawson to get lost to, to history, especially gaming history, where he should be celebrated as a god <laughs> mm-hmm. for doing what he has done to revolutionize the way that we play games. So Jerry Lawson, Black History Month, Control Issues, AMC, what you got for him? Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. We are control issues. Thanks for playing. Sucker. Sucker.